Welcome back to episode number 108 of the NP Dude. This is Jeff, the NP Dude, giving nurse practitioners a voice. That's everybody's voice that's out there listening. I want to hear from you. I want to know what's going on. If it's bugging you, it's got to be bugging me. It should be bugging everybody else. I say it all the time. Email me, jeff at the npdude.com. I want to hear from you guys. I want to know what's bugging you. We got like um, 1,800 and some. We broke the 1,800 mark, guys. We, we have like, I don't know, five or six weeks until Christmas. We're hitting around over 100 likes on Facebook per week. Uh, a couple more uh, ratings. That's fantastic. Keep them coming, guys. You guys are doing this. It's all you. I, I was a little bit more on Facebook this last weekend because it was kind of crappy and I was just delaying going and doing work outside. And uh, so I was kind of surfing through some comments and questions and things. But um, you guys are doing this. It's all you guys. It's the people that really like what's going on in the show, that like the feedback of what I'm giving, the information that I'm giving, um, the way I'm handling the show. I guess everybody seems to like it. I've got one bad rating on iTunes, and I'm okay with it. It's just, I'd like somebody to tell me why. If you give me a negative rating, I just want to know why. I, just, I don't care. You would think I'm a two? I'm a two. If I'm a one, I'm a one. But tell me why, because it might be something I can fix. If it's something I can fix, I'll try. Um... Amazon affiliate link is doing awesome. You guys are really hammering that. And I really want you guys to use that thing. If you if you want to support the show, you want to keep this thing going, I need help to pay for the web hosting next year. And the way I'm doing that is using my Amazon affiliate link. So what I would like you to do, if you if you if you want to help me and help this propagate, grow and get bigger, I need you to go to thenpdude.com. You click on the Amazon banner go to Amazon, do the shopping for Christmas that you otherwise would have done, and uh, what it does is it kicks me a couple percentages of your of your purchase. It's not a huge amount of money, but when we add it up in the collective, it'll be enough to pay for web hosting, maybe a little bit more. I'm hoping to pay for the Chronic Intractable t-shirts, which I'm placing the order hopefully this week, and getting my first run, and uh, hopefully we'll have those here in a couple weeks, and, and I'm talking to a couple people that want them, and, and I got sizes and stuff. So if you want a chronic intractable t-shirt, sight unseen, email me, jeff at the npdude.com, and um, I'll, I'll put you on the list, and we'll, we'll figure it out later. So um, it's just a lot of fun for me. I think, I think it'll be fun for you guys, too. Now, the thing is, what I want you guys to do is if you're getting a chronic intractable shirt, I want, I want a picture. I don't care if I see your face or not, but I want you guys wearing this... Uh, with something like where you are in the world would be awesome. Like, you know, if you're out hiking or something and you're ne- next to the sign for where you're hiking and picture of the chronic intractable, that would just be cool, man. I would love to see those all over. You post it to my Facebook page or just email it to me and, um, or not with a sign, I don't care, but just, just something that's, that's who you guys are and that you're wearing the shirt. And I want to see, I want to see pictures. It'd be cool. I just think it's fun. Chronic intractable Ian. He said I can use his name before, so I'm using it. And if I if I forgot, it's not you, Ian. Sorry, buddy. I just threw you under the bus. Asked a question about Stark Laws. And people haven't... I, I haven't talked about Stark Laws before. I just kind of brushed through them real quick, I think, once. And um, it's a good topic. I don't know how many people in NP world will have to really worry about Stark Laws. Other than the fact that maybe you kind of touch ancillary on it in a practice where your physician, if you have a collaborative physician, or you, if you if you get into an ownership interest in something, then you have to worry about Stark Laws. And some of the some of the instances, what's what is Stark Laws and what's it really worried about? Stark Laws, the guy's name was Stark. Every time I hear it, I think of Iron Man. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm just a dork, I think. Tony Stark Law. It's not Tony Stark, but it's some congressman. 
and it's named after this guy. Basically, what it is is if you are a healthcare provider and you steer patients to a service that you have a financial interest in, then you can be violating this law. And there could be you know criminal fines and I mean penalties and it's a, it could be a big disaster. And there's a competing argument on both sides of it. The idea is that, you know, here, here would be an example of a, like a, the traditional Stark Law problem. So say you are a nurse practitioner working in practice A, and it's family practice. So it's the same kind of setting I'm in currently. And I'm prescribing my patient to go get um, questionable tests done at uh, facility B, for something that I kind of remotely need, but it's really not necessary for their treatment. It'd be nice to know, but, you know, like an ultrasound tech or something. Say I, I own part of the ultrasound tech company, but I don't do anything with them. But I get money, I get revenue from them. Dividends or, you know, an actual paycheck or something like that. So... So I, I steer my patients towards that ultrasound clinic. You know, everybody comes in, even remotely complaining of belly pain, they get an ultrasound. And it's not really necessary, it's questionable, and I'm making out on two fronts. I'm, I'm getting the billings on one side for my practice as a family practitioner, and then on the other side, I'm, I'm, I'm making profits through owning the company for ancillary services. That would be a Stark violation, Stark law violation. And it's, and it's difficult because... Sometimes you're like, well, we, we really want policy-wise to have available resources to do, you know, ultrasounds, for example. And, and by precluding a physician or a nurse practitioner, a PA or anybody that's providing services in their office from steering towards another, you know, available resource in the community that happens to be owned by them, that's, that shouldn't be, you know, really a violation, but the, but the law currently says that, yes, it is, you're not allowed to steer, so you can get dinged for that, and they're, they're really strict on it, <laughs> they, they, they don't tend to screw around, if you, if you violate Stark Law, you're in deep shit, so you don't want to do it, so some of the other situations that I could see would be like, um, maybe I, I sell herbal supplements, out of my office and that everybody that comes into my office, I, you know, jam down their throat that they need to start on herbal supplements. That's kind of maybe close to a Stark law. I'm not sure that's really there only because people can choose not to do it. Whereas if you say, oh, geez, you got an abdomen that's, you know, tender and I'm concerned about it. We need an ultrasound and you're steering all of them to your clinic without giving them the option to go somewhere else. Then, then you could be in, in trouble for that. I wouldn't even, you know, my wife works in medical. Well, she's in healthcare. She's not medical. I wouldn't even refer someone to my patient or one of my patients to my wife because of the perception of a possible Stark Law violation. That's how far removed I like to be. I wouldn't even really consider it. I'd tell them, no, I'm not going to send you there. I don't even really want to ref- refer you to that office, even though they got a great practice in that office. I just wouldn't do it. But there's a bunch of lists of things that are Stark Law violations, and there's also a bunch of exceptions like owning the building, 
of the facility that you're referring to, that's just too far, that's too remote of a connection or nexus that it's not going to be considered a Stark Law violation. But if it's clearly something that is a different concern than, than what you're doing for that patient and you're referring them out the front door of your office and into the front door of somewhere else, if you have a financial interest in that other thing, that other else, then it, it, it very well would be construed as a Stark Law violation. I would be concerned for you. But it's a great question, Ian. It shows me you're thinking about it. And, um, you know, in reality, most NPs aren't going to be owning a bunch of different, you know, types of clinics in the community. But you could. There's nothing that says you couldn't do it. It just means you can't steer them to it. So say I wanted to own part of a physical therapy clinic. I could be a part owner, a silent partner that just, you know, gives money and gets dividends based upon revenue. And... You know, I just, I can't refer my patients to them unless I want to disclose that that's an issue. That, then you're going to be potentially in trouble with a Stark Law. Oops, not a good, not a good thing. I'd like to hear from somebody. If anybody has ever, ever seen a Stark Law violation as an NP, I'd love to hear from them. Because I just don't think it's that common for us. Physicians, they could make a ton of money. They got investments all over town doing different deals. They got all this extra disposable income. So they're making side money off of their money. And that's how these guys get really rich. You know, physicians don't make it. They, they make good money. Don't get me wrong. But they make a lot of money. They invest it well in other things. Constantly looking at buying other clinics, doing other things. Now, if it's part of the same practice. And so say I use um, my brand new, beautiful A1C machine that, that does A1Cs in the office. That's inside my practice. So that's part of my testing services I have available to my practice. That's not a Stark Law violation. It's a referral to an outside source, independent of what you do. So that's kind of the threshold that I look at it as. Um, you know, if you're doing rapid straps, you can charge for all that stuff. You, you know, you, you don't want to overbill it. It just doesn't make sense. But, you know, not everybody that's complains of a sore throat gets a strap because you're going to charge them, you know, 18 bucks or 20 bucks or whatever it is for that strip test. It's, it's not a money maker. You know, it's, it probably costs almost as much to do it and everything than it is to, you know, then, then to make money off of it, you're just going to break even at best. You might make a couple bucks, but it's not worth it. So that's not really a stark violation anyways. If you guys have ever heard one in your office or anything, I'd love to hear anonymously how it went down and what kind of issues you guys dealt with and how they got around it. And it's juicy. It's fun. I wouldn't talk about that one unless I was told to, and I would change the hypothetical. So be assured I'm not going to blow a HIPAA or get you guys fired. But email me, jeff at the npdude.com. I'd love to hear it. It just would be neat. I don't know many of many people that were in that position that could be a Stark Law, a Stark Law violation. Interesting. Another one. Had a, um, somebody did a, a post on Facebook that showed a direct primary care practice that was doing their... <laughs> Sorry. I'm exhausted. They were doing their... Um, practice and they were like interviewed through like a local news channel and somebody posted and said hey is anybody here about doing this and is anybody doing it and somebody said in there um a comment about hey look it's you know universal health care because of you know the the payment structure and they were equating that to a direct primary care or concierge type medicine, concierge medicine, I've done a show on this, go back and listen, concierge medicine is a type of direct primary care, but they're slightly different, they're not exactly the same thing, go listen to that show if you're interested in doing that, but the, the thing here was that this comment was saying that 
just because the patients pay a flat rate every month for their care that it is health it's universal health care and and I kind of laughed and said absolutely not the same thing as universal health care it's the exact opposite thing as universal health care and it was something I thought was interesting enough that I wanted to talk about it because I, I think universal health care universal health care or, or um, Medicare for all I mean there's a whole bunch of different different ways we're saying this thing right single payer it doesn't matter it's all the same shit that's that's stealing from people at the point of a gun to take their money in the form of taxes to put it in a big bucket mix it together and maybe dole out services to some and some to, and not to some others that's what universal health care is going to be robbing from one person to give to an it's, it's it's Robin Hood theory that's what that's what universal health care is now why is the, the the DPC model not that well this is open market you can you can set your own price of how much you're going to charge every single patient and every patient's different so if, if I got a guy that comes in that has a little bit of hypertension, takes one medication, and he comes and gets lab works every you know six months, that might be one different. That might be one price per month. If I got somebody that's got diabetes, uncontrolled COPD, CHF, um, neuropathy, back pain, what else? Throw some more stuff in there, guys. You know, your you, disaster patients that take all your time, Thy- hypothyroidism. Hypercholesterol, you know, hyperlipidemia, um, shoot, just keep going. CVA in the past, an MI, stents, pacemaker. I mean, just, oh my God, what a train wreck, right? That's a different price. (laughs) They're going to want to stick with Medicare or Medicaid because those aren't the patients patients you're going to be pulling over to direct primary care, probably, because they're just not going to be able to afford your services for that. Now, you could set a price for them, but if they're in there every month, redoing you have to assume you're going to see them every month for an hour then you work up your price how much is what's your t- what's your time worth and add that up and you can do that it's separate prices you can set prices for everybody based upon number of conditions you can it's an open market you can do whatever the hell you want i get somebody that comes in with a cough a cold a tickle and they're like man i'm desperate i need to see you your price can go from 50 to 75 bucks there's nothing. It's complete open market. It's supply and demand. Would you? Would I do that? Probably not. That's kind of a turd move because they're never going to come back to you. you. You still have to have good business sense. But if somebody's got a train wreck of, of a of a healthcare system or of a healthcare record, then then you, you can charge them more. There's nothing in that DPC model that says you're locked in. And I think that's what th- this individual was assuming that oh, it's fifty bucks per month for everybody. No, not always. Maybe. It just depends on the, the patient. That's how I would do it. I would base it upon number of comorbid conditions. How well do you take care of yourself? If you choose not to take care of yourself, that's fine. I'll see you for your sick colds and I'll give you pills. I'd rather have you take some of your medicines than none. But we'll work out a plan. We'll agree to it. So it's exactly the opposite. It was very, it was disheartening that someone would really believe that direct primary care model of healthcare is equating to universal healthcare or single payer. It's absurd. 
completely absurd. It's open market. Both parties choose to, to freely associate with each other and, and enter into an agreement to pay for pay pay money for services. Period. And the other one is, you know, you steal everything from everybody, and then everybody gets doled out whatever's left. And guess what? Single payer is going to be a disaster in the United States. Absolute disaster. It's already a disaster, the way our system is working. It's a broken, broken system, and we're going in a direction where it's too late to unwind it. We're not going to go to a freer market. We're going to go to to uh, more controls. I just got a letter from an insurance company that said that... Um, they, they won't cover certain things for me, for my patient that needs this stuff. And, and it's like I can write all the letters I want. I, the, the, it's no longer practicing health care. It's limiting supplies and services through government entities. It's already happening in that. And we're going to roll right into it. And we're going to, it's going to just, it's going to suffer. We're going to all suffer for it. So the direct primary care model might be a good way around it. I still believe that even with a direct primary care model, that you're going to see the government try to limit and regulate it. And if you practice outside of the, the healthcare system when it's single payer, you're going to end up in criminal something. I mean, it's just going to be a disaster too. They'll, they'll make it so that they'll disincentivize it so much that that um, people just will be like, all right, forget it. It's not worth it. I'll just go to the government for my, for my MRI three years from now for my cancer or whatever. It's just, and pray that you don't die in the meantime. It's going to be a disaster. All right. Sad Tuesday. Oh, well. Anyways, that, that was an interesting thought, though. I, I like that it was completely wrong. I'm not trying to be mean, but I just, I'd love to have somebody try to debate to me why that is the same thing as single payer or, or universal health care when it's a free market it's the complete opposite the only way to sell save our nation is freer markets it really is leave me alone let me do what i want i can work with me between me and someone else in this day and age with the amount of information on the internet there's zero reason that that someone can't find out if your service is valuable or not oh shit just almost ran into a fire engine did you guys hear that he, like, just hit the siren right at the intersection. I was going, I was cruising through. Well, kind of made my heart stop. All right. Um, what else? I had a comment from somebody about the, um, the NP clinical thing, the uh, NP rotations, fellowships, slash um, residency programs. And it's on my website, so you guys can go read it if you want. And it was a comment. It was a good comment, but I think it's misguided in that um, they, they really didn't listen to what I said. And so I want to reiterate what I said and, and correlate that to the comment. So that way, if anybody goes back and looks at it, they'll be like, oh, yeah, Jeff, Jeff kind of did address this. The, the, the point was that I, have, I am fearful for the future of nurse practitioners graduating and going to do NP residencies that have zero foundation in quality. I think they're going to be popping up all over the place, and it's going to be enticing to new grads that don't have prospects for jobs that are looking to expand their resume that will take a cheap job and under the guise of you're going to learn more, 
and then and then you're going to be taken advantage of. And in the meantime, they're going to use your license, which is 100% of your liability, and they're going to exploit you and bill for services through your MPI number. And you're not going to make very much money. You'll probably make less than what you make as an RN. And the, the comment was, how long have you researched this? How long have you thought, I haven't researched any of these programs. I don't care. I'm never going to do one. So I haven't had the need to research a program for a residency. But I did concede in my first podcast on this ep- on this issue was that I guarantee there's a bunch of them that are extremely valuable. And this individual did mention a couple of them. I trust they're fantastic. I think she mentioned three of them. So the problem is, is that when you have three or four or even ten residency programs across the country that are valuable, how many people are going to be serviced by that? How many NPs are going to get in those slots? And what's the intent? It goes back to my podcast that I did. What's the intent for the employer? In those instances, it's to train people to go and work for that hospital system. So what's the benefit to anybody else? Well, it's great for you. It's great for them. They get to train you. They get to do it on the cheap. And and yes, you might get some good experience along the way. That's great. That's a fantastic residency program. I wouldn't cons- I wouldn't hesitate to consider something like that. It might be valuable. The extra money that you're you're that you would have made if you went out and worked, you do the math and say, is it worth that amount of dollars? And some people are going to say yes, and some people will say no. And I'm, I get it. I'm cool with that. The problem is, is that those are only five or six or ten or even say there's twenty of them or a hundred of them in the country. Let's say a hundred of them, two in every state. And they take 10 people every six months that graduate. How many NPs are there? How many NPs are graduating? I heard a number just recently somewhere. I want to say it was like 24,000 NPs just graduated. How many of them are going to get into a good residency program? Very minimal. So these other residency programs I guarantee are going to pop up and and people will run to them in droves because they're still nervous about not knowing what they're doing. They want to get experience, they want to but in reality they're just going to abuse you, take advantage of you, use your license and you could have just gotten a job in the first place, made made the right amount of money and moved on. So my point was not to bash the the good programs that are out there, but to worry about the ones that are down the line that are going to be coming around the pie, the corner here that are that are just going to be disastrous for us. And the whole while they do this, you know what it's going to do? It's going to drive the price of NPs down. Because your starting salary is going to be compared to an to an internship type program at 60 or 70 and instead of making 110. And in reality, we're going to be pulling in several hundreds of thousands of dollars for that practice. So they get to make another 50, 60 grand off of you. Yay them. I don't know. It just, it was, it was frustrating that I saw it like that, that it was, um, you know, that, that they didn't really listen to what I said. I don't think go back and re-listen, please. I beg of you. I'm not trying to be mean to you. I just think that you, you didn't listen to what I was saying. I was bashing the potential future, the future ones that haven't developed yet. The ones that are in existence now, I see as probably okay. Some of them are probably great. Some of them probably suck. Most of the new ones that are going to be coming out are going to be, oh, hey, let's uh, let's just start an internship program. We'll call it an internship. We'll work with the local university. We'll get their top three or four people that are decent. They'll pick it up in three months on what to do, maybe six months. And then we're going to turn around and we're going to use them for another six months and we're going to make a ton of money off of them. Oh, and by, by the way, we're going to pay them next to nothing. And we'll dangle a carrot of maybe we'll hire you in the future. And in reality, they're not going to. 
because they're going to get rid of you in a year and they're going to hire another one of those people for 65 grand and do it all over again. That's the way I see it. I think it's coming. Mark my words. That's right, I said mark my words. <laughs> Anyways, guys, I, I want to hear from you. Keep keep emailing me. Send me, send me stuff. Um, Jeff at the npdude.com. Don't forget, I have a donate button, too. If you're feeling spunky and you're like, man, this show was worth something, give me a donation. You can give me a one-time donation. You can give me uh, an, an ongoing monthly donation. I don't care. Anything, I'll take it. If you want to give it to me, I'll take it. Uh, it goes through your PayPal account, so you have to have that set up just so you're aware of that. Go get your PayPal account set up, and then you can do it. Use the Amazon affiliate link. Um, start buying Christmas presents. It's getting late, guys. It's already, uh, you know, it's almost Thanksgiving. So you guys got to start buying your presents if you want to get them delivered in time. Anybody know what the, uh, the present of the year is? Like what, you know, it's like the Furby or the Cabbage Patch Kid. What's what's the big hot item? Somebody tell me what the big hot item is. Give me a PM or uh, email me. Let me know. I'm just curious. I have no idea. My kids don't, I don't know. I shelter them, I guess. So I don't know what the big ticket item is. But I want to hear from you guys. I want to know what's going on. So email me, jeff at the mpdude.com. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy what you do. Be safe out there. Somebody just got shot and killed in a parking lot just down around the corner from my house. A doc got shot in Maslin. It's not too far from me. And um, wasn't a patient, though. It was something else. But so be careful. There's some crazy crazy people out there that will do crazy things. Keep your head up. Pay attention when you're with your surroundings. You just never know what's going to happen. So just be careful out there, guys. Have a lot of fun. Enjoy what you do. And uh, we'll talk soon.